Hello and welcome to the Film Classification Podcast from the BBFC. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You must unlearn what you have learned. The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. Yes, hello, we've reached a quarter of a century for the BBFC Film Classification Podcast 25, which is a good opportunity to say thank you to everybody who downloads and listens to this uh, bit in the UK or around the world uh, in on aircraft and airlines. We get featured on uh, the entertainment system on Virgin Atlantic. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thank you very much for being a part of the podcast and for listening in. The idea, of course, is to give you a behind-the-scenes view of how film classification works in the UK and some of the issues that uh, surround it. And We've dealt with some of the more difficult, challenging issues, and you can delve back into our archive uh, to listen to them. Uh, but we also deal with some of the areas of extended work from the BBFC, um, particularly education, and that's what episode 25 is going to be all about. We're going to be talking education, both our team in the building, that's Heidi and Lucy, who will be along shortly, Uh, But also I'm going to be talking to Paul Reeve, uh, who's the head of what effectively the organisation looks after film education in the UK and it's changed its uh, its name and its structure in the last 12 months or so. So we'll get the latest from Paul. But as always, I want to start with the news items affecting the BBFC. I'm going to start with the International Classifiers Conference. This happens every year. Uh, a classification board will uh, elect to host a conference somewhere. Uh, we've done it. We did it in 2012, our centenary year. This year, it's been done up in Norway, and it's just taken place. So David Cook, David Austin, and Tom Cairns, a team of three, uh, went from the BBFC. And that's an opportunity to spot trends, to discuss some of the same challenges that we face and in particular of course uh, that movement into the digital world that's why Tom Cairns uh, went because he's our digital product manager here in the building Uh, the CBBFC website is now available in a new mobile and tablet format um, and we're going to hear more about that from Lucy and Heidi later in the podcast I also wanted to mention a a potential change to the way that we display our BBFC insight on the black card that precedes a film. By and large, uh, we've been very happy with the way that this has reinforced the BBFC insights for parents, uh, helping them to keep informed and make those decisions. However, the issue of spoilers is an important one for us as well. So what we're going to do in the immediate future, we're going to try and deal with this in a pragmatic way without compromising the need for the public to be informed about the content of a film. The trial policy uh, will mean a judgment will be made as to whether the short form insight really does have to include a potential plot spoiler and if it must consider whether it can be withheld from the black card immediately prior to the film. So the short insight would remain available on the BBFC website and app but wouldn't necessarily appear on the black card if in our judgment there was a spoiler that didn't need to be there. So we will review the update after six months, that's April 2015, and see what impact that's had on public feedback. Um, And you can always let us know your views on this subject and others by emailing us at podcast at bbfc.co.uk. Okay, as I said, we're going to start our look at education uh, by talking to Paul Reeve. Now, Paul came in a little earlier. He is from Interfilm, and uh, that's where we started by understanding what Interfilm is an important role in the UK. We're a, an education charity, so we have a brief to work with 5 to 19-year-olds, which is obviously quite a, a broad age range. And essentially, our mission is to 
ensure that film is very much at the centre of young people's cultural education and, and their overall educational experience. Okay, so before we get into the detail, let me just ask you why you think that's important. Film is such a fantastic way of opening up young people's minds. You you can get immediately plunged into different worlds, different places, different periods in time. And that is such a great opportunity educationally, a way of engaging young people immediately into the the drama or or a character or a particular situation. And, And I think that it's rather underexploited in in schools you know film is often seen as the thing you do you know in wet weather play or on the last day of term when you, you know you've run out of lesson plans and actually film is a fantastic way as i say of of broadening minds and and a fantastic way of engaging young people right across the curriculum that's an interesting way of looking at it i think you're right to an to a strong extent in that a class may be taken to an art gallery or to look at sculptures and this is treated in some sort of elevated stance but probably not the cinema in the same way and a lot of the work we've been doing over the years with various film festivals is to make cinema an art you know, to be seen as an art form and something to interpret and to provoke, provoke discussion absolutely right i think i've i've said before on one or two occasions that in a sense film film's greatest problem is it's popular with children yeah. and young people and because it's popular it often gets dismissed as populist but in fact you know some of the greatest pieces of art over the last Hundred years are films, um, and and why film isn't standing there alongside literature, classical music, visual art, etc., as a peer art form is, is a mystery to me. And I should say that before I came to into film, I was working in opera and ballet. So you know, I, I speak from a perspective of having worked in some of those high art forms, and film is every bit as valid and valuable artistically as any of the others. Yeah, and I think that is changing as perhaps maybe 10, 20 years ago it was a more difficult argument to get through but I think people do now see film as a, as a good art form, a genuine art form. Um, okay, well let's talk about the Interfilm Festival more specifically. So how, how and when um, about that? How do people get involved? Well, it starts uh, on the 4th of November, runs through to the 21st, so it's a, a three-week sprint, but it's uh, we believe it's probably the largest film festival of its kind in the world. Um, over those three weeks, we're going to be showing films and running special events in well over 500 cinemas. We've programmed over 140 films, and looking at the bookings before I came in, we're going to have over 325,000 young people, plus their teachers and accompanying adults, piling into cinemas the length and breadth of the country. And and I mean the length and breadth, so right away from the far furthest west in Cornwall up to the Scottish Highlands, we'll have school parties, children and young people coming to the cinema. And, and the aim of the festival is twofold. Firstly, of course, it's simply to give children and young people the the fantastic experience of visiting a cinema and seeing a broad range of films and just enjoying that and and, and experiencing cinema as it's meant to be on the big screen with the sound and, and so on. Secondly, it's to really create an opportunity for teachers because the you know, going to see a film in a cinema can then be a brilliant springboard when you get back into school, when you get back into the classroom, to explore some of the issues in that film, to link the, the story that they've seen back into certain areas of the curriculum. So, so the educational value of the festival is something that we're really promoting. And we do that in a number of ways, not least by creating a whole range of resources that teachers can use. They can download them free from our website. And these help teachers to make those links between the film that they've taken their party to see and back into the curriculum and <clears throat> various themes and issues. And that's you know one of the resources we've created, in fact, has been with your good cells with the mm. BBFC. 
Oh, we'll talk about that in just a second. I have to put our usual caveat on recording at three Soho squares that we're just above the screening uh, theatre, and um, that wasn't either of our stomachs rumbling just then. But no, something fairly dramatic happened uh, beneath yeah. us. But the work of classification goes on. Uh, that cinema is a busy place from uh, nine till late every day, and so you may hear some uh, further noises off. Okay, well, let's talk about the work we've done together on the 12A. And the 12A is something we visit quite often on the podcast. We've done a little joint project here. We have, yeah. I mean, we we think it's really valuable for young people to understand the classification system and, you know, why do we have it? What's it there to achieve? What what are the the characteristics that, you know, define a 12A against a PG, against a 15 and so on? And actually our experience, and we've done a few things with with the BBFC um, over the years, is that, that young people really get engaged by it because it, it's 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 really interesting because it's all about content it's all about you know what are the triggers that make this inappropriate for very young children or, or you know etc so with the 12a resource that we've created it's really getting young people to to understand you know what defines a 12a and and to put themselves in a way in the in the shoes of some of the people that work here and thinking okay we, so we, we we're, we're suggesting they watch various film clips and then decide which classification they would give this film based but on people what can try seen. their hand at classifying. they can try their hand yeah. at classifying and you know they maybe some of them will aspire to getting their signatures on the on the thing you see in front of every film when you go to the cinema in due course and it's one of those things where you just like the idea that people realize that it's quite a lot of thought goes into it oh, and yeah, sometimes absolutely. it can become um quite an agonized uh, decision making process but all based on um sort of guidelines which is it, the key. exactly and i think also understanding that that you know, the BBFC has to work very closely with the filmmakers because clearly the, the makers themselves have a, a huge interest, a huge stake in what classification their films get. I just want to talk specifics for a second, uh, Paul, because if people are hearing about this wonderful film festival taking place up and down the country, is it too late this year to be involved for people who are listening to the podcast early? Or do they need to think about next year? In which case, how do they get involved in a screening? Well, there, if, if you're thinking about coming this year, I mean, it, it is firmly aimed at, at, at schools and, um, and and youth groups. So if, if you're an educator, if you're a teacher, or if you run a, a youth group, um, you should have a look on our website, the Interfilm website, um, and there's a festival section, of course. And, and while some of the events were booked out long ago, there are spaces available for quite a few screenings. And if they're looking at the later end of the festival, that, that, that second and third week, they should go online and see what's there because every ticket is free as well. So it's a great opportunity if people haven't taken advantage of it already. And then if, if they are too late for for this year either because they just haven't got time to organise to, uh, to bring you a party or, or the thing that they were interested in has already um, been booked out, then they should definitely um, look out for next year. We'll be running this, this festival annually, probably again in November 2015. And they, they need to sort of look early because some of those yeah. events, the very popular screenings, and we do some fantastic question and answer sessions and, and, and sort of special events, which maybe we'll talk about in a moment. Um, they, you know, they need to get in early because they book out. Yeah. And uh, I know from being at some of these screenings myself in the past that you'll, you also get home educated children coming along they can come in the same route really through the website and that's absolutely right so any children that are in education of course the vast majority come from the formal education system but we do get home educators bringing groups and of course you know that they see that as a great opportunity in the in the way that um, classroom teachers do okay well let's let's just conclude then so outside of the film festival you alluded to well first of all within the film festivals it's not just straight screenings is it 
it is it is some straight screenings, but also you get some introductions and talks. You talk about those. Yeah, screenings are at the centre, of course, because you know it's all about giving children that and young people that great experience of cinema. But but we have a huge range of really interesting events that again all link in some way to the film that the young people are going to see or or have just seen. So just to give a couple of examples. we're showing Pride, that, that wonderful British film that came out recently. Um, and we've got a couple of discussions being hosted by Stonewall, looking at issues around homophobia, etc. And we've got a debate that's being led by a, an interesting organisation we're partnering with called Debate Mate. And they promote the idea of debate among young people. They're professional antagonists. They're a professional antagonists. antagonists. And, there are yeah. quite a few of them in the world, right. but these guys yeah. actually do it for a living. <laughs> and... Um, that that debate is about whether it had been appropriate for the gay and lesbian movement to to align themselves with the miners, which of course the, the the film Pride is all about the miners' strike of the 1980s and the fact that this extraordinary group of activists, all gay and lesbian activists, sort of set themselves up aligning with South Wales miners. So that's a good example. We've got. Um, on our opening day, we have David Yates, who, who directed all the later Harry Potter films, doing a question-and-answer session with teenagers who will be able to ask him anything about his career and, and about his experience of, of filmmaking. So all these events are looking to, to add that value and, and to give young people either an insight into the whole process of filmmaking, which, of course, you know, you, all you see is the end product, and it's fascinating to find out about the, the sheer graft and the, and the craft and the art that goes into it but also the, the things like the stonewall events are about picking up on the issues and, and using the film as a springboard for for thought and discussion yeah i remember when you had paul greengrass in your opening event a few years ago and the one question that persistently asked by one person was how much he earned yeah that's that and is, in the end he answered it yeah. but, uh, having been polite we always find children and young people can get away with questions yeah, unbelievable. that you and i wouldn't be able to yeah. and they are always interested in how much someone earns and why not yeah absolutely yeah, we all are aren't we <laughs> yeah. um and after the festival closes you don't sit around doing nothing for the next nine, ten we months, do you? But, no. uh, so what else is available no. and what resources are available in particular? Well, uh, we run a, a year-round programme and, and any school, any youth group um, can, for instance, set up a, a film club. So we, we offer this film club um, service where... You, you know, the the idea is to encourage groups, again, you know, five to nineteen year olds is our, our target age range, to watch a broad range of films, to discuss the films that they've seen, to write reviews about those films, um, to get involved in filmmaking as well as watching. Um and to say that's a free offer available to any school or youth group. We already have around nine thousand film clubs up and down the UK and we're obviously keen to to expand that even further. Um, We do a lot of work to encourage and and, uh, equip schools to introduce filmmaking um, because you know we believe that giving young people that experience of making films not only enhances their understanding of of film itself but also develops their creative skills and a whole range of life skills. Literacy and everything else isn't it? Totally. Um, And then you mentioned resources we're, we're now developing an increasing number of resources that are there, again, mainly for teachers themselves to use in their classrooms, either to help them uh, teach whatever it is, literacy, history, foreign languages, etc., or, of course, to teach about film. And, and because, you know, the, the film itself is such a, a rich 
subject worthy of study and so we, we create resources again just to, to give teachers some tools and to, to give them some support so that they can get their students involved. Okay, that's great, Paul. Thank you very much indeed for so eloquently uh, talking about the work. I think we're in a good place uh, as an industry at the moment in Britain, uh, perhaps on the back of the Harry Potter films, I don't know what it is, but you seem to be looking after the next generation of lighting riggers and best boys and directors and writers and producers. So. Well, I very much hope so. I mean, our primary mit isn't to create the next generation of, of filmmakers necessarily, but of course, you know, we, we do sincerely believe that by giving young people these rich experiences of watching films, talking about and developing their film literacy, um, making films, that this will all contribute to a whole load of young people thinking, actually, do you know, well, that's something I'd like to do for a living. And I'm if sure they've got that passion, yeah. if they've got that belief and the drive, then they've got a great chance of eventually working in the industry. And now they know how much Paul Greengrass gets yeah, paid. And, and that's oh. what I call aspiration. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, thank you very much. Paul Reeve talking to me earlier. Now, as I said, it's not just about our external links in terms of education. We also have a team here in the building. Heidi Renton and Lucy Brett head up the education effort for the BBFC, and uh, we got them together to have a chat and talk through where we are with education at the moment at this important time of year as we do uh, take part and support the Interfilm Festival and, of course, our ongoing work to talk about the BBFC's role and its work up and down the country in uh, various schools. Hello, I'm Lucy Brett. I'm Head of Education at the BBFC. And I'm Heidi Renton. I'm the Education Officer here working with Lucy. And we're here to talk about the BBFC's education work and our resources for teachers and students. So, Heidi, we've both been at the BBFC for a few years. When did you join? Well, I started as a film examiner quite a long time now, back in May 2006. So I've been here around eight and a half years. I joined as an examiner as well back in 2003 and um, something I think is really crucial to our education work is how much it gives to students to speak to people who've actually done the job as a film examiner and I think it's a really useful thing for them to hear how we rate films, why we do it and would you agree? Yeah absolutely, Um, they love hearing about the latest thing that you've looked at or uh, hearing it really straight from the horse's mouth as it were why decisions were made and what you personally thought about a decision though obviously you know depending on what we think we have to be quite quite um, circumspect sometimes about that. I think also it gives them a really good way of um, understanding more complicated ideas like laws and the guidelines so we know people who work at the BBFC know that we use classification guidelines as our way of rating the movies and understanding what the public think and how the laws work but that can seem quite dry unless you actually have someone who can give you a yeah we put the human face to it I think and they really like that and show you how it actually works well Lucy we know that we've heard from Paul Reeve uh, in this podcast uh, CEO of Interfilm and as as we know Interfilm's one of just several uh, festivals and events that we get involved with every year, going and talking to people. And uh, I'm sometimes amazed myself, but this year already we've spoken to over 6,000 um, school, college students, including also about 500 people, uh, members of the public, parents, uh, school educated, uh, home educated, uh, quite a variety of audiences there. Yes, it's a fantastic job in that way. It's really useful and fun to speak to so many different people from so many different places. What's been your highlight of the year so far of all the trips that we've done? Well actually 2014 was really fantastic for me because I was invited to go and do a conference in Paris to British media studies students there and there were over 600 students so it was a huge audience Um, but perhaps most daunting for me my own media studies 
teacher from when I did my A-levels was there. And so it was kind of an emotional reunion where I met the person who stepped me off on a journey and where I worked. must have been so proud. Oh, maybe, <laughs> but it was amazing to sort of speak to him, but also to speak to this like latest generation of media studies and film studies students about how I'd studied very similar things to them and then gone on to work in one of the industries that they were studying. So it really was a sort of wonderful opportunity that was with the EST group. When we're not visiting schools or going out to uh, cinemas and that sort of thing, we're often working on our online resources, so case studies for students, uh, our guides to film classification and writing stuff mostly that's hosted on our main website but also things for our children's website CBBFC. I wondered if you could talk a bit about the case studies that we write. Yeah I, I really enjoy this aspect of our work, it's an opportunity to delve into the files and write some useful case studies for students who are um, perhaps looking at areas of their curriculum like um, shocking cinema and we've got some great case studies for controversial works like Clockwork Orange from the past, Straw Dogs, uh, Evil Dead, uh, lots from the video Nasties era that students are always keen to talk about uh, and more recent uh, works that are also on uh, school syllabuses now being studied like Juno and we are in fact about to launch quite a few onto the website, a lot to support the Interfilm Festival where we'll be hosting presentations and talking about the classification of films like Gravity, Chronicle and The Double, but also some ones from more recent years that have been subject to quite a lot of range of opinions from the public like uh, The Hunger Games and Women in Black. Another major piece of work for us this year has been working on our children's website offers them a chance to look into how ratings work and to think about films that they want to see. We've actually just done some more work on making it mobile and tablet friendly, haven't we? Yeah, that was a, an interesting piece of work because as you said, we launched it, I think it was back in September of 2013. And obviously we were looking at it, monitoring it to find out how people were using it, what kinds of pages they were visiting, how long they stayed on the pages, trying to improve it. And one of the really quite interesting figures was um, what a high proportion of our visitors were accessing CBBFC from um, their mobile phones or from tablets, something like 63%. That's amazing. Which apparently is an exceptionally high for people looking at that kind of, of site. So we obviously wanted to make sure that the site would look good and work well on, on mobile technology as well as on the desktop. Yeah, it's a, it was a fascinating process to make sure that all the stuff that worked online was easy to find quickly. I remember when we were talking to the designers, they were saying how interesting it was for them to work on something that is so specifically for very young children, so making sure that very little fingers on a smartphone or on a tablet could access things. So we were trying to make sure that the buttons and things worked and that they could watch uh, the latest movie trailers, that they could engage with the sort of games and activities, read the news. But the other key thing, and this is key to a lot of our education work, especially with young children, is we, we tried to make sure that there was lots of information for parents, didn't we, so that there is a, an area on the site where parents can go and look up information on the ratings, on the guidelines, on how to view films safely online, how to avoid pirate content and that sort of thing so we tried to make sure that along with all the fun stuff for kids there was stuff that mum dad or whoever's looking after them can find as well yeah and that's that's true and um actually aside from cbfc we've done quite a lot of work in general reminding parents about particularly what the junior categories mean the advisory categories in particular and the 12a campaign that you and i have both been working on um is one of our latest
latest pieces of work. Um, why did we focus particularly on the 12A at this point in time, do you think? In 2013, we carried in our last guidelines consultation, so we spoke to over 10,000 members of the public about age ratings and a whole range of issues based on what we do. And we found that 75% of people understood what 12A meant, but we want to make sure that more people understand that. So what we did was we thought, how can we make sure more people have a really clear idea of what 12A means, both in terms of our guidelines and what sort of material you might find in a 12A, but also in terms of how it practically works when you go to the cinema. Can you take your 11-year-old to see it? Can your 11-year-old go on their own? And the answers to their questions, and um, you know, of course I should probably go into it, you know, but we, we know that at 12A, you know, if somebody's under 12, they need an adult to be going with them. And it's important for that adult to think about the content of the film and whether it's suitable, because 12A films are really suitable for children of 12 and over. Yeah, exactly. And actually, if any um, film clubs or teachers listening to this would like copies of the posters that we've created to go alongside the advert that has been running in cinemas uh, explaining about the 12A, they can email us on posters at bbfc.co.uk. And if anyone wants to see the trailer who's listening, they can go to our website and find the link about it. Or indeed, contact us about showing it at any film screenings at film clubs in the future. I think that would be quite interesting. It's been really heartening, actually, because since that was playing in the summer, I've been going to schools and actually had people bring it up and I had one uh, girl just this week in a seminar say that she'd seen it in front of a film this summer and talk about how it clarified what it works and made her think you know what does a 12 year old look like who gets to choose why might a certificate like that exist and the other thing of course that it does and and this is work we do more broadly so it's beyond just going into classrooms and talking to people is the advert like our other education stuff reminded parents about BBFC Insight and that's something that over the last few years we've been quite heavily involved in as well. Another area that is quite important in informing parents about um, you know, our categories and the, and the work that we do to, to make sure that they've got as much information as they need is obviously the, the guidelines review, um, the, the last uh, one of which was in 2013. But from our point of view, the education team, interesting time because it involved teenagers for yes. the first time in, in gathering their views, which is obviously very relevant for what we do and very helpful to get their views. So do you tell students when you go to classes that they were involved in this or their representatives were? What do they think? Well, I, I do, and um, I have to say it's something that they're most interested in. So when I go into a classroom, the first thing I think that lots of teenagers, or and in fact adults, when we go and speak to adults, want to know is what's it like to be an examiner? What's it like to watch films as part of your job? But, you know, and why do you get to decide? How do you think about it? And of course, when you start thinking about why the BBFC rates films and how those ratings happen. They don't just happen in the ether, do they? They're based on what the public tell us, on the guidelines, on the law. And when you start going into the guidelines, again, it's another area that could seem a little dry, I suppose. But when you tell teenagers that those guidelines aren't just based on what adults think, they're based on what younger people have told us as well, you start thinking about how their views are being properly represented in the decisions that are made about the films that they want to watch. They're intrigued by that. I think they're quite often fairly surprised and I think that they they enjoy the fact that us going in is further feedback because what I always stress to them is that not only are the guidelines partly based on what they think but whatever happens in those sorts of education seminars or talks that we do they also provide a very useful opportunity for me and yourself to go back to the BBFC to speak to examiners and the policy team and start telling them what is everybody speaking about what film did everyone go and see in the last few weeks is there any film where people were surprised by the content is there any film which had huge teen appeal that maybe you wouldn't expect to have had huge teen appeal and I wondered if, if you 
if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I do. It's it's quite interesting because, like you, we gather that information and bring it back to our colleagues, uh, other film examiners, and uh, we've done a couple of sessions now, haven't we, where we've fed back to them in a, in a fairly structured way about exactly those kinds of areas, what teenagers are thinking about and what they're feeling about films. And... Uh, I know that they welcome that sort of, you know, frontline opinions between guidelines research of how things are changing and developing, really. And I'm always interested to hear what films teenagers find disturbing and why, because it's not always the shocking and the horror films, as you might expect. Sometimes it's films they remember from their childhood. You know, names come up over time. Bambi is one yeah. that um, I'm Finding sure... Nemo, I found that lots of students who maybe saw it in the sort of second time it was in the cinema I found that question upsetting yeah. beginning it's sort of their generations the themes behind Bambi. it if you know separation loss um, parental abandonment etc these are the kinds of things that stay with people and so for our colleagues it's been very useful to hear that kind of information when they're thinking about examining children's children's films alongside obviously the more obvious information such as how are teenagers watching films are they streaming are they downloading what do they prefer to do what do they think about us what do yeah. they think we're relevant to them um, how effective they think we are all of these kinds of findings I think are, are very valuable in this sort of feedback cycle that we have I think yeah I mean the key thing that they often that teaches me in a way is that you can't in this job make big generalizations about who's watching what and how they're responding to it. I mean, I would say for my part, what's most gratifying and interesting about going out and speaking to so many young people all the time is finding out how carefully and closely and engaged that they watch things, how engaged they are with what they watch and what sort of wonderful insights they can provide. And sometimes, I mean, I can sit in a group and I can hear them and their discussion isn't that far off what an examiner meeting discussion would be about a particular issue like animal cruelty or violence in movies or how children's films affect the viewer and that sort of thing. So it's it's really useful to be able to go back and say, actually, yeah, it's, you know, groups aged about 14, 15, this is their response. And that they worry about, you know, this is how young children might watch this, this is what they might think. Exactly. And I don't know about you, but it's always fascinating when you open up the Q&A at the end of the session. And uh, you must have had this. I think this is the question I get asked the most. What is the worst film you've ever watched? <laughs> and sometimes I, I, I like to surprise them by mentioning something that is actually quite junior, perhaps, yes. but, but disturbed me when I was younger, particularly. That's the question that I'm usually always prepared for. I mean, the other thing that I always like sort of going even further back from, from teenagers is when you do talks to much younger audiences. So we speak to primary school children and that may range from real tiddlers, sort of four, five, six years old, up to sort of year five and six where they're really developing their critical thoughts. And the questions they ask are absolutely brilliant in terms of perhaps keeping them on my toes. I would say the hardest questions I've ever been asked have been by sort of six, seven and eight year olds who've asked me things like, isn't the BBFC irrelevant? What's the point in having an A after any of the categories? Shouldn't all films be a 12A? It's quite good, especially when you work for an organisation like this where you're doing work that impacts on the public and that the public are invested in, to get that sort of very clear moment of dialogue between yourself and the younger audiences. Because actually, seven, eight, nine-year-olds, their responses to a PG are so interesting. They'll tell you, oh, actually, I wasn't scared there because I thought it was funny. And you think, wow, they really have thought about that in a grown-up way. Of course, 
we have FAQs on our website for students, but also for teachers who often have quite specific questions about the resources and the things we have to offer. And we host regular education Q&A sessions on Twitter. So that's quite a useful way for young people and for students and for teachers to ask us specific questions, especially maybe about films that they're studying or areas they're covering if they're. And of course, on our children's website, there's an ask us a question section where when children send it in, then we'll put it up and answer the questions. Our Twitter handle is at BBFC for anyone who's interested in that. And when we do do an education Q&A, we use the hashtag AskBBFCEd, which gives us you know, a good way to answer all the questions that kids have and that their teachers have. Yeah, and you know, if there are any students out there listening who want to get involved, you can ask your teacher or tutor to contact us to uh, have a visit in person from either Lucy or I. If your teacher goes to the teacher guide, part of our education resources on the website, you can request a seminar or request a visit or even a video conference or a Skype call if the if the school's uh, too far away or doesn't have the time to, to bring their pupils to come and meet us in London where we work or, or just to keep an eye on the festivals that we might be appearing at in their local area so we've got Interfilm coming up Cine Magic for secondary pupils so there are lots of opportunities to speak to us either in person or remotely Absolutely Well that's I think all we've got time for it was a whistle-stop tour of our education work so I hope people have enjoyed it There are some other things to remember if you're a teacher listening and you want to find out more about our education events, what new case studies are being uploaded and all that sort of information. You can sign up to our education newsletter on the BBFC homepage, so www.bbfc.co.uk. On the homepage, it's obvious where you can click on the sign up for our newsletter or you could tweet us or follow us at Twitter again on at BBFC. That's Lucy Brett and Heidi Renton talking earlier about our education efforts here in the BBFC. Well, thank you very much indeed for listening to us. Number 25, our quarter century, should we call it our silver jubilee? Something like that. It's uh, all here because uh, you listen to it and download it. And again, I'd like to thank you for that. You can contact us, podcast at bbfc.co.uk. We will talk to you next time. I want to say thank you to our editor, Catherine Anderson, and to our contributors, Paul Reeve. Lucy Brett and Heidi Renton. Until number 26, goodbye. Suppose you think I'm a ruined woman. (laughs) You're not a woman.